Well, some parts of you folks are still automated, and some of you aren't. And I do it on this side. I don't know, I'm just weird, but you can hear me. I used to be here uh, in this, not this pulpit, uh, another pulpit that I could hide behind better. <clears throat> and uh, about eight years ago, nine years ago, it's been a while, been a little while. So I have familiar faces that I know here, but there's so many of you that I don't know, and that is uh, a praise to the Lord. I'm happy to see new faces. And uh, I know Bruce, uh, Bruce cannot preach somewhere. So you stick him on a lifeboat down in the Caribbean, and he's preaching Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday services. And don't tell me there isn't another pastor on that boat. They all have chaplains, and they all have a sermon for Easter. But uh, you know Bruce. Uh, those of you who know him well know that he's wanting to preach anytime he gets a chance. I'm about to get rid of St. Thomas up here. Let me share with you scripture this morning. It comes out of Matthew, obviously. It's an Easter passage story of Matthew. Uh, you got one in, in, in all four of the Gospels, but this is Matthew's version, number 28, chapter 28, and verse. I'm going to read the first 10 verses, which is the whole story, but I'm going to talk to you this morning just about one verse. <laughs> um, and uh, so we'll get, to, we'll get to that when we get to that. Let me, hear, let me sh share the story. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. He, his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and, and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and they took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Let's pray a moment. Heavenly Father, we, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for this beautiful, beautiful morning physically, Lord, with a bright shining sun. and It's spring. It's a new birth time for us in this part of the world. And we praise you for that too. We need every crutch we can get. But Lord, I thank you most of all that, that we're able to gather here in, in your house. And we can gather here, Lord, and we can worship you. We can worship you freely. That's a gift. We can worship you openly, Lord. We can, we can praise you and sing and make music and pray, reflect. We can share your word. What a blessing that is, oh God. 
Thank you for this Resurrection Day gift. It's not shared everywhere around our world, but it is ours. And so, Lord, as we, we cherish this gift just a moment, we pray that you would speak to us through your word. And that your Holy Spirit would move among us and that you would minister to us in such a way that we would truly be able to grow in your grace. And that we would become just a little bit more the people of God that you've called us to be. Oh Lord, thank you for this time together. Minister to us in the power of your Holy Spirit as only you can. In your name we pray, the name of Jesus. Amen. To say the world that you and I live in is in turmoil is a bit of an understatement, wouldn't you say? With illegal drugs taking the lives of tens of thousands, with brutal war raging in Europe, tensions at an all-time high with China and Iran and North Korea, with economies being hang hammered by inflation, inflation all around the world, rising fuel costs and shortages of food and even medicines, with violence and crime at all-time highs, with gender ridiculousness and race judgment running amok in our society, with words changing in our dictionary almost daily. It staggers the mind. It staggers the mind to even try to comprehend how all this is going to work its way out. We're sailing in uncharted waters, truly are, and nobody knows where or what will really happen, except God, except God. We need to remind ourselves of something, even though the world is changing, in the midst of all those changes, whether good or bad, Easter has not changed. The meaning and the power of Easter has not changed. The events that took place on that first Resurrection Sunday, they supersede any events that took place prior to that or have taken place since or will ever take place. The events that took place on that first Easter morning render powerless all the, the terror, whether physical or economical or emotional, the events of that first Easter morning render powerless war and death and sickness and pain and sorrow and despair and fear and sin that has plagued humanity ever since the beginning of time. The world has changed, but Easter has not. And, and the events of Easter morning demonstrate to us that this, this foundational truth of Christianity, that Jesus is not dead. Jesus isn't a has-been, no matter what the polls might want to tell you. 
no matter what some people will even tell you. He is not dead. He is not a has-been. He is Lord. He's Lord whether you believe it or not, whether I believe it or not. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. And He has the power, and only He has that power to change my life and your life. He has that power to forgive our sins, to, to give us hope, to give us promise, to give us the ability to be the kind of persons that we want to be even. And certainly He wants us to be. He has conquered death, the heart of evil. He's put it away. He has risen. He lives. This Matthew 28, it tells the story. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. I love that. The other Mary. I feel like I'm always the other Don. You know, that's fine. That's, that's, that's great honor. They went to the tomb to where Jesus had been, where he was buried, where he, his dead body lay. And there was this violent earthquake and the stone that covered the tomb had, had, was rolled away and an angel appeared and said like in verse 5, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where, they, where, where he lay. And then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. As the women hurried away, the Bible says they were, they were afraid, yet filled with joy. An interesting phrase. Afraid, yet filled with joy. All mixed emotions, not knowing what to believe, what to think. And then suddenly Jesus, Jesus greets them Himself. And they fall at His feet to worship. And He said words similar to what the angel had said. In verse 10, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers. Go to Galilee. There they will see Me. These are the first words spoken by the resurrected Jesus. And it's a simple message. And it's a message that I want us to hear this morning. We have this word of how to live out the truth of the resurrection today, tomorrow, now. In a time when we need to know that truth and live that truth maybe more than ever before. Regardless of what the world is doing, we need to listen for what Jesus is doing. When you think about it, their world was falling apart too, pretty much, wasn't it? The world of these two women, the world of those disciples, of all of his followers. And these words of Jesus, they, it told them, he told them, he told them how to hold it together, he told them how to go forward in the midst of all the confusion. And the first thing he said was, stand up to your fear. Right? Stand up to your fear. What does he say? Do not be afraid. I did a little computer search on, on my version, the English Standard Version, and, and, and it, do not be afraid is used 154 times, that whole phrase. 
Do not be afraid. Those very words. 154 times in your Bible. Old and New Testament. It's all through it. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I mean, it gets used several times right here. The angel said it to Jesus. And the angel said it, and then Jesus said it again. Why is it so important? Why is not being afraid so important? Isn't fear one of those emotions that sort of wells up and we can't really prevent? You know, like when you reach down and all of a sudden you see that snake laying there. Whoop! A little fear runs through, right? You couldn't help that. It's the snake's fault, right? Of course. And yet Jesus comes along and he keeps telling us, do not be afraid. It's like when maybe you notice that little uh, suspicious lump in your body or you have that numbness that is new and different. Or like when you fall asleep on the couch waiting for your teenage daughter or son to come home and you wake up long after they should have already been home. And you have that anxious feeling. Has something happened? Has something happened? A fear. A fear that you didn't expect. A fear that you didn't welcome. A fear that you didn't choose. Look no further in, in, in our society to, to COVID and see what it did to us. See how the power of fear can manipulate and disrupt and destroy. Fear. Fear. Fear can be an overpowering emotion. And, and certainly not emotional that we would willingly choose to feel. And yet Jesus stands there and, and tells us, do not be afraid. As if we have a choice in the matter. Don't do it, he says. Don't do it. Don't be afraid. You know, there is choice. It is a simple matter of choosing or not choosing. Oh, I wouldn't say that first startle might not be a matter of something we choose, but whether we stay with that first startle or not is certainly a matter of choice. And, and Jesus isn't really talking about our emotions, that first startle. He's not talking about that, that first thought. He's talking about the dwelling. He, he's talking about not thinking fearfully or not acting fearfully. When you, when you do something with that first emotion, fear is a choice, he's saying. Don't do it. Don't stay there. Don't let that run your life. You know, we all get wrapped up in pandemics and terrorism and economies. and When we let the possibility, the, the what-ifs of, of sickness or climate disaster or doomsday war or Whatever else is trying to capture our hearts, usually on the, the news or the internet or somewhere, you know, somebody's always trying to do that. When we allow that to capture our mind and capture our heart, we don't have anything left for living. We can't enjoy life. We, we can't live the, the abundant life which Jesus said that, that he came and he died on that cross so that we could have. Life can come to a standstill in fear. 
And I would dare suggest that most all of us have experienced that either personally or have seen it happen to those around us very clearly. And Jesus is saying to these folks, these women, these disciples that are right there in his very first, first moments after coming out of that tomb, do not be afraid. Don't let fear grab your life. You don't have to live that way. I have the power over life. I have the power over death. We say it, we say it up at death. Where is your sting? Where is your victory? There is no victory for death. And that's the ultimate symbol of evil. The ultimate oppressor. Jesus is victorious over it. As the followers of this Jesus, as his, as his believers, you and I are called to live in that same victory. We're called to live out that Easter truth in our world. We can choose to have faith. We can choose to have fear. We can trust in the power and the love of our Savior. Do not be afraid. But look at the very next part of that same verse 10. The angels, both of the angels, told Jesus, go and tell. Jesus said it. They said it. We need to focus on our mission. Focus on why we're here. You, you, those of you who've been around me, you've heard me marvel, just sort of wonder out loud, why does God set up the system God sets up? Why is it like it is? I come to know Jesus. You know, He, he finds me... He, he brings me into the kingdom. And I confess my sins and I, 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 I'm elated. I'm a believer. Why can't I go to heaven? Why can't we have a beam me up Scotty moment? And I can just go up there and I can live eternity right there in that moment. I want that. And he says, no, no. You got to stay down here a little more. Well, I tell you, I've been trudging down here over 50 years more. And it's getting sort of boring. I would like to be up there. I really would. But he won't let me. Because I have a mission. He has a mission for me. Before I was even born, <laughs> the Word says... I have a mission for you. I've got a purpose. I called you. Every one of us. God has a mission for us. He has a mission for us individually, and He has a mission for us as a church, corporately. He has a work for us to do. Go and tell. Tell them that I'm alive. Tell them that I'm not, that I'm not dead, that the tomb is empty. Tell them. Tell them. Well, they won't believe it, but tell them anyhow. Amen. Tell them I am relevant to the world they live in. Go and tell. That's all we're ever asked to do. In the resurrection, stories found in each of the four Gospels, Jesus emphasizes that very mission. Go and tell the disciples of all nations, Matthew 28, 19 says. 
A little further over, just a few more verses. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. The Great Commission, right? Go into all the world and preach the good news. That's what Mark said. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name. That's our, that's our work in Luke 24. And Jesus speaking in John 20, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Go and tell. First message to His followers after the resurrection. And in this world you and I live in, this message is more important than ever. More important than ever. Our world needs to hear and they need to see in us that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is Lord. That He is alive. That He has power over sin, over death, over everything. The resurrection proves that. You've heard the saying, the best defense is a good offense. Well, in, a, in our world, we certainly need to be wise and, and take, take steps to take care of our, of our health and our well-being and all those kind of things. But our real hope and our real message is that there is a God and that that God lives. He is alive. He is not dead. He is relevant. He has a reason for being here. And He's important for every life that, that exists. He cares. Maybe more than that, He is able to deliver. He loves you. He loves me. And He wants every person. He loves the world. For God so loved that world. That same stinky world we talk about so often. He wants us to believe in Him. He wants us to repent of sin. Which means repent of doing things our way. And doing things His way. Find eternity through His mercy and His grace. That's what He wants. God wants us to be with Him. To be with Him for eternity. He wants that neighbor that you have troubles getting along with, with Him for eternity. He wants that, these crazy people we see running around doing crazy things and they're so crazy now that I, I just, I, I, you never know what, I can't believe, I believe anything, just about. I mean, you can't out-crazy me anymore, hardly. But I am sort of amazed every day. But God loves every one of them. And we have a mission, you and I, to reach out to those people somehow to the world we live in, to whomever God places in, in, your, in your path, in your vision. We have a mission. And that mission is more important maybe today than ever before. Not just for those that we're reaching out to, but for us. Because I feel very, very strongly that the church has lost its purpose. Lost its vision. Oh, we share visions. We talk about purposes. I heard a fellow yesterday talk about, talking about the church talks every, every Sunday almost about making disciples, but then never does it. 
Talk is easy. Doing is difficult. Doing is a challenge. You know, we need to realize and recognize deep in that there was a crucifixion. That somehow the God of all creation came into this world because of us. Because of his love for us. And died on a cross. We need to believe that that death was real and horrible and complete. But we also need to believe that God the Father conquered that death and rose Christ from the dead and the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. He is not there, the angel said. He is risen. <laughs> that means everything about Jesus is true. That means all that he wanted to do is, is right. That means that his word, his word to you and to me is, is his word, God's word. And he calls us, he calls us maybe especially on an Easter morning where it's not all that hard to get out and shout a little bit. He calls us to go and tell, go and tell that good news. Too often we're not telling. We're not telling. And I'm as guilty as anyone. We're not telling. We live our Easter every day. Every day in this world around us when we keep focused on our mission. Keep focused on the mission. But there's a, a third part of this verse. Do not be afraid. Do not go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And what's he say next? He says, there they will see me. We used to normally just pass that off. It's, what, what does he mean by that? And there they will see me. We, we need to learn how to believe what Jesus says. <laughs> you know, if he says up is up, it's up. You know, we need to believe that. We need to believe there they will see. We need to believe. We need to learn how to trust and rely on his promise. Yes. That there, there they will see me. The angel said the same thing. And they're saying, in a sense, if you say or, or you do what I tell you to do, if you say and you do what I tell you to do, then I'll show up. I'll show up. I'll be there. I'll be there. Fact is, if Jesus doesn't show up, the church doesn't have a purpose. You know that? If God isn't real, if, if Jesus isn't risen, why are we here? It's a good breakfast this morning. A bunch of you missed it, though. But, but uh, you know, you should have come earlier. At least you would have got breakfast, right? <laughs> Our hope is in the power of Jesus to change lives. 
to change this world. And I, I don't, I'm not an optimist like some maybe that this world's ever going to be, you know, the kind of heaven on earth that some, some people like to think it will be. I, I'm one of those that kind of fall into the camp that feels like the world's going to get a little worse and a little worse and a little worse. And then the Lord's going to come again. Now that could be tomorrow, that could be next year. I, I don't really care. It, it, it doesn't matter. Except I'm still in the beam me up Scotty mode. I would have liked to have gone yesterday. But God is coming back to this world and He is changing this world and He is changing us inside this world for His glory. For His glory. And that's our hope. First our life, then the lives of others. Imagine how those women who witnessed that resurrection of Jesus must have felt as they told their friends his other followers even, who you would think, you were talking in the church now, right? Other believers, what they were to do. Brothers, brothers, pack your bags, make the journey to Galilee, and, and there you're going to see Jesus alive and well in the flesh. Can you imagine that? I wonder if they had any doubts. <laughs> no, I don't really wonder much. I'm almost certain they did. I wonder if they didn't say to each other, uh, did we really see what we saw? <laughs> did we really hear what we heard? You know, it's early. Light wasn't really good. Um, and we're in trauma. What do they call it? PTSD. We're having, we're having trauma here. And that means we don't function necessarily as well as we could in many ways. What if we go to Galilee... And he isn't there. I don't know if such thoughts ever crossed their minds for sure. We don't hear it in Scripture. But I know this did happen. Because something changed them. And they were willing to risk their reputation. And they were willing to rely on the promises of Jesus. God is in our world. And God's moving in our world. And He's challenging us to join Him in that movement. That's our mission. He doesn't call us out to heal the sick. Make the lame walk, the blind see. He calls us out to reach out to the sick and the lame and the blind and everyone else and let Him bring the healing, the wholeness. Let Him show up in a big, big way. He always does. That's his promise. Every week, Bruce stands up here and, and bold promises are made from this pulpit. Every week, this church makes promises to the, to the community about it. You say, give your life to Jesus and, and he'll turn it around. 
You say, give your heart to Him and, and He will fill it with His presence. Confess your sins. We have that confession. Confess your sins to Him and He will forgive you. Absolutely. No holes barred. Completely. Give Him your sorrow. Give Him your fear. Give Him your broken dreams. Give Him your worries. Give Him all of yourself. And He will fill it with joy and peace and love and fulfillment. Those are bold promises to make. Bold promises. Do we believe them? Do we believe what we're actually supposed to say? Do we believe that Jesus will do what He says He will do? Do we trust that Jesus will show up when we get out on that limb and actually get up enough courage to go next door and knock on the door? We live, we live by the promises of God. He is our hope, our only hope. And we have no purpose. We have no purpose in this world without His power, without His victory on that cross and over that grave. Without Him, you and I can do absolutely nothing of great value. Oh, we can love around, we can be nice, we can hold hands, we can do all those kinds of things, and they're not bad at all, and they are helpful. But they are not life-changing. And they're not a change for eternity. That's what matters. When all is said and done, that's the only thing that really matters. As we face the uncertainties of, of the world we live in, and like I said, I think it's, it's getting increasingly more hostile. More hostile to the church. More hostile to the believer. I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. I think it makes us stop and evaluate who we are. What do we really believe? Do I really believe what I profess? Am I willing to go where God is sending me to say what I think God wants me to say in the best way I can say it? And trust that He's going to show up in that and make every difference for His glory. For His glory. A quick glance at the newspaper, a short listen to the TV. I'm not even wanting to tell you to go by, by the internet. But it doesn't take much to tell you the world's changing. And I don't I don't think it's changing faster because I'm getting older. I actually think it's changing fast because it's changing fast. But even though the reality of our world has changed, we need to always hold fast to the truth that Easter has not changed. That our God is still a God of promise and love and power. That He came into our world to redeem our world, to redeem you, to redeem me. 
And he's going to see that that happens. It will happen. It will happen. Even though the world is becoming much more difficult, the resurrection message spoken by Jesus tells us how to live in that world. Tells us to stand up to our fears and there will be plenty of them and there will be plenty more and maybe increasingly more. Tell us how to think and, and act in faith rather than follow that which, which captures our emotions. He tells us to focus on our mission. The mission doesn't change. The mission stays the same. Focus on the mission of telling others about the life-changing power of God in Jesus Christ. Trust the promise. Trust the promise of Jesus to show up. You know, I often thought, what would I ever do if Jesus, you know, I hear people talk about this a lot. It's, it's never really happened to me, or at least I've never really, if, it, if he spoke, I, you know, I wasn't listening. But I've never had Jesus say to me, go up and pray for a person's healing. You know, like, the, like Jesus did with the, the lame fellow at the Pool of Siloam, for example. And I've often wondered if he had told me to do that, would I? I'm, I'm pretty much a chicken at heart, you know. I'm like a lot of you probably. I, I like to get along. I don't want to embarrass myself. But would I? Would I trust that, that voice? Would I trust that promise? Oh, I've... I've heard that voice in many other ways and I have trusted and I have seen God work in mighty, mighty ways. But there are some of those things I haven't done and it just causes me to reflect. And I want you to reflect as well. Because Jesus has power over everything. God has power over everything. And God is using that power He's using that power to, to promote, to, to sell, if you would, to convince those of weak heart of His truth. That He is God. That He is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And that in Him and in Him alone is eternity. Eternity. Eternal salvation with God. We're agents of that gift, if you want to call it a gift. And Easter isn't just a nice holy day. It is the way of living with hope in an ever-changing world. We need to hold tight to Easter. We really should. It's the exclamation point, if you would, on what God's calling us to do. Resurrection isn't just icing on a cake. It, it isn't just, well, okay, that's a little extra period at the end of the sentence. It isn't something that proves everything, although it does prove, but it isn't required for proof. It's of its own and stands on its own as a testimony to who God is. 
It's the proof of everything that Jesus said. Everything he claimed to be. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is risen. He is risen from the dead. And he calls us, he calls you, he calls me to live, to live in that truth as well. To really believe it down deep. To boldly focus on our mission. To proclaim his truth to the world. That more and more doesn't want to hear it. But more and more needs to hear it. To experience and enjoy the blessing, the blessing of walking in the presence of a risen, living Lord. We have that blessing. We need to walk it. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do love you. Thank you for your blessings. God, you've given us everything. <laughs> what You didn't hold back. You didn't hold back. Help us, Lord, to be that bold. Help us to have that kind of that kind of faith. Help us to believe, Lord, that which is right in front of us, that which we, we really kind of believe. Help us to believe even more. And help us to walk, Lord, in the world in which we live, in your victory. Your victory, not ours. Your victory, Lord. Not following the intelligence of man or the wisdom of man or the ways that we can dive up and we come up with all sorts of ways to do this thing and that thing. Just go out and tell. Go and tell. And allow you to show up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us that much. We give you praise, O oh God. We give you all the thanksgiving for the victory you won on that cross and the celebration that goes on even to this day as you live forever. In Jesus' name we pray our prayer. Amen.